Oh, hello everyone. This is data-driven uh, Formula One with Patrick Hans and Gana Pagrebna. Hello everyone. Hello, Gana. Nice to be back after our short uh, spring break. Yes, nice to be back. Uh, hi, Patrick. Uh, yeah, so and it's an uh, uh, exciting season today because we have um, basically three drivers uh, that were racing quite close in this season i think so a lot of um, a lot of cool races to discuss and uh, yeah so let's exactly exactly and uh, from a pure aesthetic point of view it's the first year where we have the very iconic uh, lotus with the john player special uh, design which uh, I think it's one of the most famous race car designs uh, of mm -hmm. all times and stayed, uh, I think, uh, as a sponsor inside uh, Formula One until the 1980s. So, uh, but it's just from a pure aesthetic point uh, of view. So we have uh, season 1972 and as always we have a look uh, first on the results mm -hmm. and uh, we see uh, one name quite often more often than the other names uh, and uh, quite young emerson uh, fittipaldi hey, yes uh, that's right um, yeah so so we have quite a few as you can see um, yes. uh, jack uh, uh, quite a few wins by jackie stewart uh, we have uh, Emerson Fittipaldi and, um, well, uh, Danny Hume uh, and uh, Jackie, Jackie X and uh, exactly. Jean-Pierre Beltoise. Exactly. Yeah. And Jackie X, we have where we would expect him on his favorite track, the Nürburgring. And your working exactly, <laughs> yeah. We have a special on uh, Jackie X, uh, and so if you haven't seen it, please do have a look. Uh, there we actually kind of talk about Nürburgring quite a lot as well, and uh, right. we talk a lot about Ferrari. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it's um, it was obviously uh, you, as you can imagine a good season for Lotus as well and Tyrell. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and uh, while well, we have one um, uh, one win for BRM, um, and uh, that was in Monaco, which was also quite yeah. quite a, a quite an interesting uh, um, race. So yeah, so here's the season. Yes, and, and I mean, if we see this table, I, I think quite interesting is that the. Uh, that the victories, the only victory for BRM has been on Monaco and the only victory for Ferrari had been on the Nürburgring. So particularly uh, two racetracks where really uh, the car itself is not that important, but really the driver, the skills and the experience. Yes. So that's two driver right. tracks practically. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, we also have... Um... Um, well, in, uh, as you can see, uh, we, we've been talking a lot about Lotus struggling, um, um, recovering from several fatalities that they have experienced. And uh, mm -hmm. finally, by 1972, we can say that they more or less fully recovered from um, the previous shocks. And um, I think they really concentrated on their chassis uh that year so yeah so essentially exactly. and let's 
Mm-hmm. And let's say for the spectator, it was uh, a quite um, quite a change uh, now because it's a visible sign that the Lotus have overcome their um, struggling, their problems. They had a complete uh, different uh, design, as mentioned, and really one which should become very famous in uh, Formula One. And we see it here in the background uh, of on this slide. Right, right. And um, yeah, so like like Patrick said that, uh, yeah, we had now some safety features in the circuits and uh, mm-hmm. safety will become uh, a very important uh, theme for the for uh, uh, the early 19th, 1970s, at least. So kind of as a as a spoiler for 1973, we can also probably uh, tell you that in 1973, we will see the first ever safety car used uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah I, I believe in Canadian Grand Prix I might be wrong there but I think I think that's uh, that's correct and basically yeah so we we essentially have quite a, a quite uh, um, a big emphasis on safety at least in this uh, in uh, between 1972 and 1973 and that of, of course had to do with increased number of fatalities at the end of 1960s and uh, start of 1970s and uh, I mean considering that in 1970 we had a uh, champion being crowned post post uh, post-mortem so it's you know it, it is a big it was a big deal right and we you know um we expected that it would be um uh, quite important for the sport to bounce back with some uh, improvements on the safety side and that's what we see in these years exactly but of course uh, these are only uh, first steps uh, because unfortunately we will see a fatal accidents also uh, in the 70s yes uh, we of will course have, uh, we, yeah, we have uh, one uh, famous uh, fatal accident uh, also in 72 uh, of a formula one driver and we will come to this uh, but it was outside uh, formula one mm-hmm. yes uh, in, yes indeed so the, the problems continue to all, all the way until I think 1990s, yeah, but uh, exactly. And I mean, the, the risk is uh, still today there, as we have, uh, we still have uh, fatal accidents in Formula One. So it's not uh, completely uh, to take out this risk. I mean, we had one episode about uh, e-racing, and I guess this would be the only solution. We let the Formula One drivers all drive on their computers uh, but of course this would not be formula one anymore yes absolutely absolutely and um, yeah um, it, it but um, i think it was uh, very very good progress right in in terms yes. of uh, try, at least trying to make this um, uh, 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 this track safer um, and um, yeah, so let's let's just get to it. I mean, I'm also particularly excited about the season because I'm a big fan of Emerson Fittipaldi. So, <laughs> right. so, so let's just uh, get uh, into the season, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Emerson Fittipaldi, uh, Brazil's first uh, Formula One champion, one of many. But first, uh, we're not going to Brazil, uh, but to Argentina, mm-hmm. where. 
Uh, and uh, I mean, we see uh, the location of the races uh, also depends uh, on marketing, meaning if we have Argentinian drivers, we have Grand Prix in uh, Argentina. When we get Brazilian drivers, we will see later uh, uh, next year, we will also have uh, the first Grand Prix in uh, Brazil. And exactly that's the reason why we are back in Buenos Aires with uh, uh, Carlos Reutemann and he in his first race already had uh, the pole position. Mm -hmm. Even if he didn't uh, play such a big role in the champion itself, uh, I mean, a very good uh, start for him and uh, it's a name we will hear a lot also in the, in the next years, of course. Yes, uh, um, so quite a traditional start for, um, for the Formula One season. Yeah. Um, with kind of Argentina first, so that we, we will have Argentina first for many, many years. <laughs> Unlike now yes. when we start in Bahrain, I think, yeah, so, uh, so Argentina was uh, quite a traditional way to start Formula One season. And um, yeah, it uh, um, in a sense, uh, I think this, um, well, you, you can say that this season was essentially uh, this rivalry between Jackie Stewart and Emerson Fittipaldi. And uh, in this particular year, Fittipaldi was uh, stronger, but J Jackie Stewart yeah. uh, actually performed really, really well and uh, won um, quite a few um, Mm, yeah, quite a few races. So definitely the first one and the last two, I don't remember if there is any, like, yeah. Uh, uh, did he win four or, or three in this season? Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll count. <laughs> yeah, we will count. And uh, from Argentina, we are uh, staying in the south. And I mean, this is uh, exactly the reason uh, why we start with Argentina, not because it starts with the A, but it's in the south part um, of uh, our Earth. And due to this, we had uh, good uh, summer conditions. And uh, while in uh, Europe, you can still have uh, snow, depending where you are. I mean, if we had the Nürburgring, we can even have snow in the middle of the summer. but uh, uh, in general, the chances for good conditions are uh, quite good in the south, in Argentina, South Africa, and later uh, Brazil, if we are early or late uh, there. Yeah, yeah, I just looked it up and, and um, uh, yeah, so Jackie Stewart won four, uh, uh, um, four Grand Prix Grand in 1972 season, so it was Argentina, France, uh, Canada, and US. Um, and uh, yeah, so definitely a very good start of the season for him. And uh, um, uh, also, I think uh, quite a um, yeah, quite a good start for uh, for Ferrari <laughs> here with Jackie Jackie X in the third place, yeah. so straight in the first uh, in in the first race. Yeah, so very good. Exactly, and. Uh... Then uh, South Africa, uh, we have the only uh, victory for McLaren Ford uh, of that season, who mm -hmm. interrupted a little bit uh, Jackie, the fight between Jackie Stewart and Emerson uh, Fittipaldi. So uh, he first, then Emerson Fittipaldi, and then uh, US-American Peter Revson. 
Yeah, so I think um, we kind of a little bit forgot about McLaren. Um, so after Bruce McLaren's death, um, yeah. but uh, it's important to say that uh, you know it was. I think um, to to me, uh, of course, uh, this is rather a speculative statement and personal opinion, mm -hmm. but. Uh, um, I, I, to, to me, I think that the fact that they uh, kept uh, Danny Hume uh, in the team was extremely important uh, mm -hmm. for yes. McLaren and helped them to hold uh, the team together because, uh, you know, he, you know, it kind of like he, he, he was uh, this... Uh, um, uh, uh, the figure that uh, essentially um, pushed uh, pushed the performance forward um, for the team, and um, also you know as a former champion, he had kind of enough weight to to pull it off. Um, and uh, we actually, as you can see, we we, we saw some wins from him uh, in um, seasons. Uh, in in uh, in 1970s, so so that was quite important for McLaren team, and that probably allowed it to continue. And we still have McLaren team, <laughs> which is that, that's right. And, which uh, we can't say about many teams that participated in 1970s. Yeah, right. And uh, I think this is similar uh, to the um, role which uh, Graham Hill had uh, at Lotus, that he as the experienced driver somehow kept um, the team together as we uh, discussed uh, unfortunately 60s the 70s we still had it on quite regular base that we had fatal uh, accidents so uh, uh, these experienced drivers as graham hill and uh, danny home they had unfortunately they experienced uh, before that they lost uh, uh, people which had been more or less near to them so so especially important um, that we have such an experienced drivers who really could uh, keep the team together. Right. So, um, so now we kind of go into um, the uh, quote-unquote reign of Lotus for the season. So yeah. in Spain, um, uh, where we had, well, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi's first win of the season and also uh, he raced uh, with with his bro brother <laughs> in the same race, yeah. Emerson and Wilson Fittipaldi. But yeah, generally, well, I'm also looking forward to when we do a special on Emerson Fittipaldi. He's a very remarkable driver and exactly. also influenced a lot of, uh, well, inspired a lot of uh, interest in young drivers and the sport. Uh, yeah. So uh, yes, and he really stayed uh, active uh, very long. I don't know if until his fifties, but I remembered uh, that I still saw him driving IndyCar uh, in quite uh, high age, at least for a race driver. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, he had a very, very long career, and then also a long career. Uh, uh, not only well in Formula One, but as a figure in sport, and yes. uh, um, I think if if you try to find, for example, photos of Emerson Fittipaldi, you mostly find quite late photos of him, and a lot of them. Right. Uh, so he was quite a quite an influential figure. Uh, 
uh, as an ambassador of sport and uh, commentator and did a lot of things to encourage uh, young, younger people to pick up, um, uh, you know, the, the racing skills, let's just say. So, yeah, we will definitely talk about him and, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, and I mean, and luckily we still have uh, Fittipaldi's uh, up to today uh, in Formula One. As uh, if I'm uh, correct now, uh, 2021, we have uh, one Fittipaldi being the um, replacement or reserve driver for the Haas team. Yeah, I if think I'm so. correct. Yeah, I will. I will double check now. But yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's correct. Anyway, so uh, you can look forward our special. Uh, edition about Emerson Fittipaldi. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I hope uh, somebody more than just you. Yeah, so yeah, Pietro Fittipaldi, the Cruz, so he is uh, a grandson of Emerson Fittipaldi. And, uh, yes, and I think also his brother is... His brother uh, Enzo, yeah. Yeah, um, I remember they both... Uh, um, uh, participated um, this year for Haas in the uh, E-Formula uh, 1 series, mm -hmm. which there had been a couple of races before the season started. Yeah. So, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. so he, he became, uh, Pietro Fittipaldi became the test driver for um, Haas in 2018. And um, mm -hmm. he raced as a replacement in 2020 for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay. But let's go back in time uh, to 1972 again. And now we are in uh, Monte Carlo. And uh, like several times, the test, uh, the track was heavily uh, modified due to, uh, to adapt it to safety standard, which is uh, in Monaco always a little bit more complicated because it's a city track, so difficult to implement safety zones um, or whatever. Yeah, and actually we included the, the Argentina track and the Monaco track here yeah. just to show yeah. you how um, how compli complicated these tracks really are. They're quite complicated, a lot of turns. Uh, it's not very, I mean, they do have... Uh, uh, well, at least the Monaco has a few, uh, you, they're not really straight, you can say semi-straight sections, yes. but Argentinian track is just, uh, I don't know, it's uh, it just seems very, very difficult from right. uh, from the map, um, at, at least. I, well, I haven't been to Argentinian track, uh, but uh, definitely uh would like to see it um when mm. uh, you know when when i have a chance to travel um and um yeah that uh, they just look like like very very complicated tracks and uh, you know just uh, when we we talked about uh, monaco uh, race with patrick a lot and uh, mm. just wanted to remind everyone that uh, you know because of the complexity of the track, uh, we um, actually uh, have, um, yeah, it, it, because of the complexity of the track at Monaco, it is uh, quite a big event when someone wins it. So we normally actually count the champions of Monaco. 
uh, not only because it's uh, it's uh, a, a, a cute and iconic place, but because the racetrack yes. is really not easy. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly, and uh, uh, I mean, uh, most of us we never had been uh, to the Monaco race, but let's say I've been. even if you, <laughs> yeah, that's why I said most of us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even if you uh, at least uh, having the Formula One game on your Xbox, PlayStation, uh, it, so if you are driving virtually on this track, it's even um, on the video game much more complicated. Uh, than most of the other tracks. Yeah, go ahead. So, uh, I just want to add, so you uh, even uh, virtually you can get uh, a good uh, feeling uh, how it must be if you're really driving a Formula One car on the limit on such a location. Uh, that's right. So I just wanted to kind of um, go back to the season and just say that this was uh, um uh, this was a win for brm team i think it, it's quite mm -hmm. important win as well because uh, yes. um uh, you know the, the, in, in a sense uh, this is the only win that season so quite important to keep the morale together uh, of the team and a great performance uh, for jean-pierre beltoas and if you uh, Google this uh, um, uh, this particular race, so you will find the footage, and it's quite a um, uh, quite a remarkable race. Uh, so I do encourage you to watch the footage; uh, really exciting, and um, yeah, definitely a great performance from BRM, which we do not see very often in. Uh, um, in the early seasons of uh, Formula One, so I do encourage you to have it, have a look and uh, check it out. Yes, and uh, I mean you will not see it uh, any anymore because this was the last uh, victory for BRM in uh, Formula One. Uh, quite interesting, it was also the one and only victory for the French driver Jean Pierre Boitras because. As mentioned in the beginning, uh, Monaco is the um, driver's uh, track. So you would assume that we have uh, uh, here the better drivers uh, winning and for some reason, but was never could show his talent uh, later on uh, on any other racetrack. Maybe also because uh, he didn't have the opportunity to sit in the right car at the same time. Yes, I think, uh, yeah, as we, uh, as we discussed uh, a lot with Patrick, Formula One, um, is definitely the type of sport where you need the skill and luck uh, to to coincide together at one play, place in one time and definitely uh, um, uh, for this race uh, it, 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 it all came together for Jean-Pierre Beltoise but uh, uh, and for BRM but indeed yes the, this was the rise, last win for BRM and uh, um, like I said, it's just um, good to see uh, some uh, um, some intrigue in the season and uh, have different teams winning, not just kind of one team dominating the entire season. And uh, this was a very nice su uh, surprise win in a sense and a uh, great performance uh, from Jean-Pierre Beltois. And indeed, I, I just think that he didn't really get a chance to sit in a fast in a fast cars uh, in in a faster car uh, in, in later seasons yep. and that happens so, a lot <laughs> of course 
Uh, also, uh, interesting is that we only had uh, two cars in the, in the same lab, uh, which have been uh, Jean-Pierre Bertovas, Jackie X, and also uh, already the third, Emerson Fittipaldi had been uh, lapped, so he was one lap uh, behind. Yes, indeed, indeed. And like I said, uh, it's a remarkable race, uh, so please do yeah. watch the footage if you get a chance to, to, uh, to, to have a little bit of time uh, to watch it. Uh, Belgium. So that's yeah. another another driver's track. Um, very often it rains uh, in Belgium. I think. Uh, am no, I right that in this season they had to uh, they couldn't race in Spa? Uh, I think that, that's correct. Had... We are in Nivelle Bolois. Yeah, and so that was quite a contra controversial kind of discussion at the beginning of the season before the race. Uh, um, and I believe uh, they couldn't race there because of safety. So like uh, Patrick yeah, said, there were this. quite uh, new rules implemented yes. in terms of safety tracks. So uh, the traditional spa race wasn't there. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's, um, you know, Belgium is really, despite, uh, you know, um, uh, many people think that, you know, Belgium is not a very exciting place to have a Formula One race. It's actually very, very exciting from a professional standpoint because yes. very often it rains and, um, you know, you get to see the driver skills, you know, being um, the main driving force be behind the victories. So it's always interesting for professional audience, at least, to... to uh, uh, to watch these races and um... exactly and, mo and mostly they are very, uh, especially spa it's uh, directly at the borders to netherlands or germany so uh, i remember uh, michael schumacher when uh, he uh, was in formula one especially in the ferrari and benetton times the, the track was practically full of uh, schumacher fans uh, while today the track is practically full of uh, max verstappen fans because Netherlands and Germany, they are so near to the spa track. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Uh, all right, uh, so then we had the French race. Like I said before, this was another, the second win of uh, uh, Jackie Stewart in the season. Yeah, I just, uh, I just shortly want to jump uh, back because we have mm -hmm. uh, to mention that uh, Belgium was uh, the last uh, race of uh, Pedro Rodriguez. Oh, yes. As we mentioned in the beginning, he was uh, killed uh, shortly after, not in Formula One, but he was uh, driving in the sports car series, uh, uh, privately uh, uh, Ferrari 512 at the Interserie in the Norrisring in Nuremberg in the south of uh, Germany. So not a, a factory Ferrari, but uh, from a privately entered uh, team. Uh, Pedro Rodriguez, uh, for the ones of um, you who uh, see us um, the different years, he was always a uh, very talented driver, uh, mostly driving for BRM, where he really gave the best uh, as uh, BRM. Unfortunately, the last years was not a team which you were able to become a world champion, but he really uh, had very good results uh, with this team. 
Yeah, and I just also want to remind everyone that we do have a special about Rodriguez brothers, yes. and I encourage you to watch it because uh, there we see not only Rodriguez brothers, but also a lot of interest. We learn a lot of interesting things about Mexico and uh, Mexican yes. racing and. Uh, uh, Patrick lived in Mexico, so he shared some really cool art uh, from uh, Mexico in that episode. Yes. So I do encourage you to watch, to find uh, that special and watch it. So definitely. Yeah. Um, but uh, indeed, very sad, uh, uh, very sa sad outcome of 1972 was that uh, uh, we lost uh, now the second um, of Rodriguez brothers, and um, you know that's. That, that, that's quite a uh, and and again you know like I said before the um, uh, in, in a sense when you look at the total death count of uh, Formula One drivers uh, throughout the whole history not many people died in Grand Prix but a lot of people died uh, either in testing or in uh, um, various uh, pre-racing uh, events or in private races so um, you know we, we see that a lot uh, in, in, in those races rather than in, in Grand Prix and, um, yes, and this shows uh, clearly that the problem is not only uh, the missing safety of the car itself but uh, especially on the track because if you see the inter-series they are racing at, uh, at race trucks they have been on street races as the Targa Florio, which are much more dangerous than uh, the tracks which are official part of the Formula One uh, agenda. So uh, uh, I think this is uh, one conclusion which you can say that the problem is, of course, the uh, missing safety of a Formula One car but or a race car in general, but uh, most problems, and we will see this unfortunately also in 1973, uh, are the missing safety standards uh, on, on the track, uh, the track itself, but also missing uh, uh, training for the people who should ensure safety. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, France, uh, so as I said before, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, again, the, we had the victory for uh, Jackie Stewart there, Emerson Fittipaldi in second place here. Um, and um, again, well, we had uh, some, um, uh, well, we had an injury uh, with Helmut Marko, so th that again highlights to us how difficult it is to really make, uh, to really ensure safety uh, during mm -hmm. Formula One races and especially in the earlier years where, you know, the, the kind of safety regulations were quite light. Uh, despite the fact that in 1972 we had an emphasis on safety, we still couldn't quite ensure safety and yes. uh, still had injuries uh, during races. Yes, and here it was uh, very specific to the location, the problem we are in the circuit de Charat. Uh, which uh, is a quite uh, volcanic uh, place with still uh, activity. So there had been a lot of volcanic uh, stones uh, laying around and uh, exactly this was the problem as it's relatively light. Uh, uh, I think uh, Emerson Fittipaldi uh, uh, drove over a stone and uh, Marco, uh, Helmut Marco behind and uh, 
Marco got uh, this uh, stone uh, and it went through his helmet into his eye where he lost, I think, his right um, eye. And uh, with only one eye, you are not able to compete in uh, Formula One. So he had uh, to retire. Uh, so a quite specific uh, risk of that uh, location. I think uh, this is also the reason why we, uh, the next year we will go back to other tra tracks in uh, France. Um, Helmut Marco, of course, as a lot of you will still remember, still, uh, remember the name. Uh, he stays active in Formula One and I think he is in the management of the Red Bull team, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. So I also wanted to um, clarify to, to everyone that um, um, coming back to the incident with uh, Pedro Rodriguez, that he actually died in July 1971, right? So it was like before 1972, so not um, uh, quite that season, but in 71. So yeah, that we made a little bit of errors there with the year. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, it was also, I mean, the, Patrick is exactly correct. It was yeah. outside the season in, um, and in Nürburgring in, in uh, um, uh, during yeah, the intercity yeah. in this intercity um, race, but it, it was uh, 11th of July, 1971. So, um, yeah, um, just, uh, just to correct that. Okay, thanks. No, no, uh, and, uh, by way, uh, yeah. some of the few uh, photos uh, here from uh, Nani uh, Gali. He replaced uh, Claire Regazzoni mm -hmm. uh, for that uh, race. And uh, so he was the second driver beside Jackie X. Uh, normally also a person who's more, uh, had been more active in the um, sports car series, driving uh, uh, for Ferrari and uh, I think also for the Alpha 33. Yeah. UK, um, again, no, no surprises there with Lotus team being quite um, successful in, uh, um, in, in UK in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that track is, uh, both tracks, I have to say. Um, Silverstone and Brands Hatch were familiar to the team and uh, no surprises there that Emerson Fittipaldi was in the first place. So with uh, uh, Jackie Stewart in second place and Peter Rafson in the third. Yeah. Correct. No surprises in the UK. Okay. Mm -hmm. And with this, we are traveling again to uh, European mainland, uh, to the Nürburgring. Uh, as we discussed in the special episode about uh, Jackie X, uh, the Nürburgring was really his uh, favorite uh, track. The Nürburgring also very near to the Belgium um, border. Interesting, uh, um, Jackie X uh, was the first and the last uh, driver uh, who could achieve the Grand uh, KLM. Mm -hmm. What includes uh, taking pull position, leading every lap uh, of the race, including having the fastest um, lap. Uh, so it is, and also this was his eighth and final uh, victory in a, in a Formula One race. As we uh, discussed, uh, Ferrari was uh, already in 72 struggling even more in 73. And after this, uh, 
Jackie X uh, changed uh, the team, but let's say he never got his mojo back, uh, at least in Formula One, as he became very successful in endurance racing, of course. Yes, uh, so we have, um, uh, again, just want to remind everyone that we have a special on, uh, on Jackie X, and if you want to know more about this remarkable driver, certainly watch that, ep that episode where we discussed a lot, not only his uh, driving career, but also his uh, uh, career outside, <laughs> outside the driving, and uh, there are a lot of parallels with um, you know, we, we basically, uh, we, we believe anyway that he is one of the Formula One royalty <laughs> figures. Yeah. And, uh, you know, certainly he is a social figure and an ambassador for the, for the sport. And, uh, uh, you know, he, for the driver who near, uh, well, had several near misses uh, uh, in Formula One, so he essentially never won a, a title. He was um, really, really successful in uh, endurance races, and indeed uh, there he achieved uh, probably, yeah, he 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 achieved really uh, um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant results. So very, very remarkable driver, and like I said, check out our um, special about him. Yeah, and to see. Uh, uh... If you're talking about this uh, Grand Kilem, and um, he's really in, um, in a series with the best of the best, as the only three others who achieved this had been Alberto Ascari in 52, Juan Manuel Fancho in 56, and later Jim Clark in 65. And I assume, I don't see that any driver in the next time will achieve it, and not only because of the missing skill of today's no, sorry, not because of the missing skills of today's drivers, but I think leading really uh, every lap um, of a race today is not uh, possible as the cars are much closer together. So it's quite normal that in your pit stop, you lose uh, the position. Yeah, well, and uh, like we mentioned uh, before, he was really... Uh, uh, you can say the king of Le Mans. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, a very remarkable achievements there. So please do definitely check out our special about about him. Yeah, Austria and Italy next uh, on the list. Uh, again, no surprises there with Emerson Fittipaldi being uh, first in both of these races. And um, also we can say that it was it was. Um, very like you, by by this, uh, uh, but this stage in the season, you can you probably also noticed how uh, stable was the performance of McLaren and Danny Hume in particular because he's all yeah. well not always but very often in either second or third place. Uh, so and uh, overall uh, he he was in the third position that season for that reason. So, so definitely that showed that McLaren team kind of bounced back and was back in the competition and was competitive uh, in uh, um, in the championship, which is great to see because, as we saw with many other teams, once you lose uh, 
the team principle, you, you know, the, who is the inspiration, you normally lose the team, it just falls apart. Yeah. But it's remarkable how McLaren was able to hold it together and uh, improve the performance and gradually get competitive again. Exactly. Uh, so uh, Austria, Österreich thing, um, fun fact, um, besides this was the last race for the Eiffelland uh, Formula One team. Uh, I assume most of us never heard about this very small team, but it's a very interesting story and uh, we, I'm pretty sure we will do a special episode. And maybe if somebody from Hollywood or Netflix is watching, that would be stuff uh, for a movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, so I think we could uh, tell you a little bit of a, a preview or sneak peek about it. This was yeah, I mean, we can do it, uh, we do it I think, better when we uh, see a photo of the car. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that when we discuss the tech. Uh, we will head into the tech very shortly. Um, yeah, uh, and um, uh, yeah, and another important thing to mention is, um, you know, about this, the uh, going uh, going into the Italian Grand Prix, going to Monza, mm -hmm. that quite a lot of safety, uh, uh, yeah, basically safety improvements, I could say, yeah. of the circuit were implemented before the race. Uh, which um, uh, which was good to see and um, um, yeah uh, it uh, it was a uh, another great performance for Lotus uh, like I said they spent uh, quite a lot of time improving the chassis and uh, they were racing in this uh, in their iconic uh, black and gold car now uh, and um, kind of uh, quite a big change from the green cars that they've been uh, yes. using before and um, yeah so so this is how I for example remember Lotus because <laughs> to me Lotus is a like black and gold car uh, rather than green car but uh, yeah. you know as, as we all know there was a, a, a large journey towards uh, towards black and black and gold um, and uh, like I said, the chassis were quite uh, remarkably improved, um, uh, even though, again, this was not the safest car, at least in my opinion. But, um, you know, I think Emerson Fittipaldi was able to um, handle the risk and uh, kind of ne negotiate this risk quite successfully within um, um, various Grand Prix uh, in early 1970s. Yeah, and uh, important uh, to say uh, that he managed uh, this this risk uh, on a very young age. Uh, he was only 25 when he became the champion uh, in uh, Monza, which have been the youngest driver so far. Uh, and this uh, record uh, lasted along until um, 25 years. Uh, 25 years later, uh, Fernando Alonso. Uh, got this title of the youngest Formula One uh, champion uh, ever. Yeah, and, uh, normally yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, and normally this say uh, normally this is something which we on, mostly would uh, align with an experienced driver like Danny Hahn, for example, that you maybe know where where you have to take off a little bit from the one hundred percent because your car is a little bit uh, unsafe. 
That's right. That's right. Another uh, another thing that we have to mention is that uh, Lotus was uh, well forced; uh, they had to run a single car uh, yeah. in this race because um, uh, Fittipaldi's car was damaged uh, um, in an in an accident, and uh, you know th- therefore they couldn't really put together uh, a second car. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he essentially had to change the car and drive uh, uh, the remaining the second car in the second car in this particular race. Yeah. Okay, that's Jackie Stewart for you. Uh. Yep. <laughs> Besides the car, and uh, we are uh, again uh, driving overseas. Uh, this time to Canada and the United States as Mexico has been fallen off um, uh, the calendar uh, due to the fact that we didn't have any uh, Mexican uh, drivers anymore. So as we saw, the moment we got an Argentinian, we have an Argentinian. And the moment we don't have a Mexican, we also don't have a Mexican uh, Grand Prix anymore. Of course, there have been also some uh, additional uh, factors involved, but it is like it is uh, formula one is a very commercial sport yeah 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 uh, and um, again uh, like i said a very successful season for mm-hmm. uh, um for jackie stewart i mean you can you already can see that you know he's he is uh, very very competitive in 1972 yeah. uh, so he's he won four four grand prix and uh, really uh, was, uh, I think, the main rival to Emerson Fittipaldi in that season. Exactly. And with this, we are going uh, to California, Watkins uh, Glen, where the race was again uh, won by Jackie Stewart and um, and a quite uh, good uh, ending uh, for Stewart that year. So even if he couldn't uh, be crowned as the champion, at least uh, he has been quite dominating at the end. And uh, last but not least, uh, this was the first uh, race of the later Formula One sh- um, champion from South Africa, Jody Schechter. Yeah, yeah. Also really, uh, really cool driver. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about him. As we go along. Yeah, I'm sure. Let's look at the cars. Yeah. Lotus. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, we don't uh, have found so much uh, color photos uh, where we have the rights uh, to show them because really this gold and um, black is, of course, quite iconic uh, until today. Yeah, we will show you 1973 season when we discuss 1973 and there the car is quite similar from Lotus yeah. and uh, yeah, so there will, you will see it. But uh, again, uh, if you Google it, you will find the photo. Uh, yeah. yeah, we have black and white. Uh, the reason why it's this photo and not something else because that's the actual photo where Emerson Fittipaldi is driving <laughs> Lotus. Uh, so that that's why it's there. So there you go. Yes, and, uh, but like I said, it's it's some... it's the car that I, for example, remember from uh, kind of when I was a kid, and um, 
Um, I wasn't around in, in 1970s, but <laughs> when I when um, uh, when I watched kind of historical footage um, yeah. of Formula One, it normally was uh, this 70s iconic car from Lotus uh, in black and gold colors. And normally it was driven by Emerson Fittipaldi. And that's how I got, uh, partly that's why I, I was, uh, well, I got my interest in Formula One because it was a very fast car and um, uh, remarkably driven by a very talented driver. Uh, exactly. And we had also, uh, of course, other very talented drivers, uh, especially driving this black and gold uh, Lotus later on. Mm-hmm. From black and uh, gold, we're coming to white, and I think it's yellow. Mm -hmm. The Brabham BT-37. Yes, um, again, uh, very, I think uh, this is uh, quite a uh, tra traditional shape for Brabham cars, a uh, little bit of American, like they always remind me of American yeah. cars. Uh, so a little bit more suited for straight lines, but uh, nevertheless, um, I think in terms of uh, safety and uh, reliability, really great engineering uh, for, well, for obvious yes. reasons. We've, uh, we've discussed uh, Braham a lot and we have uh, um, um, a special on Braham and uh, uh, you know, you would know that uh, Braham himself was a mechanic for many years and, uh, you, you know, I just uh, like any Braham car, if you see it in the museum, have a good look, just stop and have a good look at it because it's uh, usually a really remarkable piece of engineering. It's absolutely brilliant engineering. Exactly, and uh, in 1972, Brabham had uh, very strong uh, connections to Argentina. They had uh, with Carlos Reutemann, an Argentinian driver, and you see this also uh, with the sponsoring. You see uh, mm -hmm. at the wing, uh, Argentinian meat, and you see uh, before the cockpit, the YPF, which is the Argentinian uh, Petroleum Company. Mm -hmm. And BRM uh, also here, very iconic uh, painting and sponsoring Marlboro BRM. Later mm -hmm. we would see this uh, on, on the Alfa Romeo and of course most famous on the McLaren. Yeah, Patrick and I uh, uh, promised you that we will do the Big Tobacco uh, episode um, yep. because uh, Big Tobacco, despite you know being obviously da damaging for many people's yep. health, um, played an important role in the development of Formula One. Was sponsoring mm -hmm. many many teams, uh, including Ferrari team. So, um, but this this was definitely. Uh, one of the more unusual looks for BRM, which was normally green and, uh, you know, with uh, spon tobacco sponsorships, they became red and white. And uh, this was yep. again uh, the car that won um, one GP uh, in, in 1972. And uh, uh, I just uh, really admire the aerodynamics of it. and. Uh, 
yeah, right. they tried really experimental stuff there in terms of the front of the car so um and it it seemed it seemed to have paid off uh, at least uh, in in one grand prix that season and not just any not just any grand prix but monaco so um so it definitely worked for them Uh, a car which we not uh, spoke uh, about uh, that much uh, this year is the Ferrari 312 in the B2 version. Uh, as it, uh, we, to be honest, uh, Ferrari was uh, unfortunately uh, declining. Uh, we see this uh, more extreme in the 1973 uh, season, but of course, as many of you remember from, from uh, also from uh, movies after this, it should be quite good in the second, in the middle and the second half of the 1970s, of course. So it's a 312, I think it's a quite uh, conventional uh, car, as I can also show you in this little box. Mm -hmm. Let we see Jackie X uh, at his victory at the Nürburgring. So quite conventional car, still looks very similar then at the beginning of 70s or end of 1960s, um, which may explain why they lost a little bit um, their connection to the fastest car, especially Lotus uh, mm -hmm. or Tyrell. Yes, well, um, of, of course, we have to make a footnote here, like, like Patrick said, that uh, Despite uh, that we see ups, ups and downs uh, for Ferrari uh, over the course of the history of Formula One, this is the most successful team. Uh, yeah, and, and they found ways uh, to kind of invigorate themselves and innovate. And this kind of what always kept uh, this team together and still keeps it together to date. Yeah. And uh, well, it's, that, that, it was. Yeah, it was not the best season for Ferrari, but we do have Ferrari in competition and uh, they won yeah. one Grand Prix uh, So uh, Jack, uh, with Jackie X um, uh, being the driver and uh, well, you know, they continued uh, to, to try and uh, to work hard uh, on their technology and uh, definitely uh, we will, like I said, we will see a lot of ups and downs for Ferrari throughout the history of Formula One, but uh, yeah. uh, it, it, this as, is life. <laughs> you can't be... Exactly. I mean, as we, we see also with the other teams, as they mentioned, uh, McLaren, I mean, teams like Lotus, Matra, we do not uh, have uh, anymore. Mm -hmm. Because they uh, somehow later they they lost uh, the possibility to stay in this series where you really uh, have to compete at the limits, not only the drivers but also the teams, the finance departments, etc., etc. Matra, yeah, so an um, another team that is quite remarkable and uh, quite a um, traditional looking car for them. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think compared to other teams, uh, they probably played it quite safe and made, uh, uh, in terms of engineering, it looks like they made uh, baby steps compared to yes. other teams and uh, it little, took a little bit of a risk-averse approach when they made small improvements. Uh, 
And uh, this was definitely not enough because 1970s uh, was a de decade of uh, a lot of competition and we will see the early telemetry here. Uh, and definitely, you know, the, the companies that took more risk ultimately would win. So, you know, this was uh, a decade of innovations, great innovations uh, and big ideas in Formula One. So, I mean, here, unfortunately, we see quite a traditional look, not, not anything mm -hmm. uh, that uh, stands out as, uh, you know, quite uh, new. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, uh, it allowed Matra to stay in the competition and, and, and uh, be active in the sport, which is always great to see, especially, you know, that uh, it's nice to see French teams in, in the sport. And yeah, yep. here we go. Yep. McLaren. Yeah, at McLaren, uh, as you see also here, it's a quite uh, traditional um, car. Uh, yeah, orange and black. Uh, my orange, my favorite, yes. my favorite colors in uh, McLaren. Although I do have to say that I really like their Mercedes Vodafone stage when there was this silver and uh, yeah. red and uh, and white. So it was quite quite nice looking uh, cars when we had uh, um, Lewis Hamilton and Jen uh, Jensen Button uh, racing for. Um, for um, McLaren, uh, um, so but you know, of course, uh, orange car is a great traditional color for McLaren, and uh, um, uh, David Hume definitely did a lot to hold this uh, whole team together and very competitive performance from them in 1972. So, yeah, yeah. very competitive. Maybe uh, the car itself lacked a little bit of competency, it was very good, uh, but let's say behind the Turel and uh, the Lotus in the top speed. But uh, mm. every time some of these two. Uh, uh, had an accident or technical problem. Uh, Danny Heim especially uh, was there and uh, got very good uh, results, including one uh, victory. Yes, that's right. And uh, yeah, we have to actually uh, um, um, well always remember that it's very difficult to attract sponsorships, uh, especially yeah. after the death of the you know main figure in the that, uh, in the right. team so there are probably were a lot of challenges for this team and uh, we, we just need to be mindful of that when we talk about uh, indeed and uh, i mean just uh, the good uh, management that they uh, same as uh, what we just discussed with ferrari they overcame the problems and uh, they made it again up to the top mm -hmm. And, uh, and this is uh, a little bit an opposite uh, to the uh, Sotis team who had been, and we discussed it especially uh, in the episode about Sean Sotis, uh, uh, who had been uh, in some years quite okay in midfield, sometimes more behind, but they never made it quite to the top in opposite uh, um, to McLaren, for example. Yeah, so here, I mean, um, I, I have to say they they took uh, a lot of risk with this design uh, yes. and we also see it's quite uh, funny to see Brazilian, also some Brazilian yes. influence in the sponsorship. Um, uh, it's 
it's uh, quite a low cost, so very much in the uh, so it, it's quite if you look at the sort of the shape of it, it's kind of uh, um, uh, close to what we see with BRM, quite low and the nose is quite experimental, but of course on aerodynamics you can tell that they would have an issue, <laughs> many issues here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, aerodynamically this is just a completely unsustainable system and uh, to be honest I think uh, it probably was very difficult to drive, but uh, Nevertheless, uh, you know, um, like uh, Patrick and I, we always emphasize that it's important to have small teams uh, yeah. and uh, it's really a pity that we are losing them at the moment because of all the financial um, yes. limitations. But uh, in any case, this is um, a, a great, uh, it's great to see smaller teams competing and uh, exactly. trying exactly. crazy things. <laughs> Exactly, and as you said, it's a quite a progressive uh, concept, very edgy, and it reminds me a little bit to the later problems uh, which we will see in, in, in the second half of the 1970s. Mm -hmm. Let's jump uh, to the Turel 006. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, it, it doesn't look very fast. It doesn't look too aerodynamic, but uh, in opposite, it was very fast. Yes, it looks a little bit like a tank. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but um, but you can see that they have experimented with engine, and you know I, uh, they did experiment with aerodynamics, even though yeah. it doesn't look you know it, it doesn't look very aerodynamic. It doesn't look too bad compared to say Surtis uh, that we just saw. Um, and in fact, it was very fast, right? And uh, yes. so, so, um, so definitely um, a great um, achievement for the team, especially considering that this is also a Ford um, collaboration with Ford. And mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, they had. Uh, I think they also were very lucky with the drivers. Uh, and particular, particularly Jackie Stewart. So, um, so great achievement for Tyrell. And uh, yeah, I, I personally, despite the weird look on this car, uh, I, I quite like it. I think it's it's cute. <laughs> right. And uh, we stay uh, blue. And uh, as already promised, uh, this is the Eiffelland uh, Twenty One, a very small German team. Uh, as I said. We discussed just a little bit because the, the whole story is really uh, made for a movie. Uh, so we had uh, the owner of, uh, of a company uh, who was uh, producing um, caravans. So something completely far off motorsports had uh, the idea uh, to start um, a racing team first, the Formula um, Two and then uh, Formula One, and uh, to do this, uh, he teamed up with a very famous uh, German um, designer, Luigi Colani. I think uh, one of his parents came from uh, Italy, so originally name was Lutz Colani, but to make it sound more Italian, he changed from Lutz to Luigi. Really, very famous designer. 
but uh, his specialty was around designs which are very human, which are a big advantage for equipment uh, um, which are used uh, to work together uh, with the human, of course, uh, but he was not a big fan of wind tunnels, aerodynamics, and so uh, unfortunately I didn't found a photo of the original uh, car as it was presented at the end of the year because this one is already a changed uh, version much more conventional than the original vision uh, from Colani uh, was and they had to change uh, from this Colani design to the original March design because the car was practically undrivable, uh, overheating even in cold conditions so only what is left is uh, this interesting uh, concept for the cockpit where uh, it also gets its air and of course the not having two um, rear mirrors but one big uh, in, in the middle a little bit similar to today's Formula One cars which the uh, halo where you also have this uh, metal right before you as a driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, so a lot of uh, interesting experimental ideas from this team and uh, um, yeah, in the special uh, we will talk about uh, uh, the ambitions from various uh, uh, makers outside of kind of luxury car market uh, to produce uh, sports cars and fast cars and uh, this uh, story reminds me a little bit about Lamborghini, right, where, you know, we had a, um, a tractor maker <laughs> wanting to make uh, um, elite uh, sports cars and here, you know, we have caravan maker who wants to, who wanted to go and do a, a Formula One car. I think it's great to have uh, this uh, uh, sp splashes of craziness and uh, yes. innovation um, and definitely fantastic uh, effort uh, despite the fact that yeah you could you, I mean just by the shape of the car you could tell how you know difficult it must have been um, uh, personally I wouldn't want to be inside it but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean they tried you know and you have to yeah. give it to them they tried it's not easy um, and um, certainly, if, like Patrick said, fantastic story and uh, definitely something to look forward to when we do the special. Uh, please uh, do check it out. Uh, and again, uh, we applaud uh, all the small teams yes. in Formula One because it's a very brave thing to do. Even for 1970s, it was quite a brave thing to do because it was no longer the 50s when you could just buy a yeah. car and race. <laughs> so here, right. here you needed sponsorships, you needed uh, a lot of organizational skills to pull it off. And uh, yeah, so um, we'll do a special on this. Exactly. I mean, in general, we see a lot of, uh, not a lot, but we see a, a couple of crazy uh, car designs in the 1970s. Uh, of course, later with the famous six-wheeler. Uh, so there had been some crazy ideas, luckily, from time to time. Yes, uh, and in the 90s, uh, where we would have more uh, kind of square-shaped and less aerodynamic things, uh, uh, with some flaps and wings and all sorts. Yeah. So there will be some really funny things. 
um, perhaps also we could think of maybe maybe of a special where we will find this uh, weird and wonderful engineering but perhaps mm -hmm. maybe we will invite someone uh, who an engineer an engineer who could support that episode and discuss with us <laughs> the different uh, different designs um, um, but definitely, I mean, uh, there were a lot of uh, crazy, crazy things that uh, various people tried in in, in uh, competitions. Because you know, like when once you have an idea of how to make the car faster, I mean, who can stop you <laughs> to, to put something on? And it may or may not work, uh, you know, when you try it. So exactly, and, and sometimes, uh, I mean, it worked at least uh, temporarily when we. We had the fan car with the Brabham. I mean, the six-wheeler also was quite good, uh, at least for a limited uh, time. So sometimes these crazy ideas uh, work, and sometimes, as in this case, unfortunately, uh, they didn't. So uh, for this also, uh, Eiffelland, they're not, uh, um, they're not even competed the whole season, but they started later and dropped out uh, earlier. Mm-hmm. And with this, we're coming to uh, one of the numerous uh, small Italian teams, which we had uh, up to, uh, I think, the, uh, the 2000s, 2010, with, with, of course, the most famous one, uh, Minardi. Uh, but also one of these small teams uh, had been Techno and the PA-123. Even if not the fastest, at least uh, it has this also this very... Uh, Iconic uh, sponsor, uh, Martini Racing, uh, which we saw not only in Formula One, but also a lot of other uh, race seasons. Yeah, series. so the, yeah, so this car definitely reminds uh, reminds us of karting. Uh, yes. Um, uh, quite a, kind of quite a low uh, to the ground, uh, probably a lot lower than than, than we want. Uh, but uh, yeah. nevertheless, again, I just want to say that uh, great to see small teams uh, and uh, things that they try, and uh, you know. Uh, um, you could again. You could tell already by the look of the car that it cannot be too competitive. But at the same time, it's great to see the you know uh, that they try. And so because it's, uh, I mean, these types of cars probably had the chance uh, during kind of Cooper times, right? When we had more karting-like uh, <laughs> engineering in Formula One in 1960s, but obviously for 1972, this is already too uh, outdated, I would say, this design. But nevertheless, they, yes. tried, they tried some new things and uh, that's, that's great, so... Uh, but nevertheless, may uh, uh, maybe a good marketing, even if they not have been able to compete uh, at the top, they uh, really participated for various uh, years. And uh, that the car looks like a car is no coincidence because uh, Techno uh, is or, or maybe still was or maybe still is a manufacturer of karting, first mm -hmm. of all. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So the, there is a, the, it's, it's for a good reason that it looks like yeah. karting. But, um, you know, again, uh, so great effort from small teams in, in the 1970s, we will see quite a few of them. Yep. It's just becoming to the drivers. 
Yeah, so Emerson Fittipaldi there in first place. And uh, like I said, if you kind of look up his, uh, uh, look him up on, online, you probably will find a lot of uh, his photos at older age. But this is yeah. him at, uh, uh, I don't think this is a, a picture from uh, 1972. I think it must it's be early. earlier. Uh, this is it must be earlier because of the sponsor. Yeah, it's earlier, but not too, too, too much earlier, I have to say. Oh, it's maybe, like, maybe just one year. Yeah, it's like uh, 1970 or 71, this one, yeah. Uh, yeah quite interesting. Uh, he and Jackie Stewart had quite uh, the same hairstyle. Uh, well, I mean, uh, this is 1970s, right? Yes. So very have long, longer hair, and uh, yeah, so definitely this was. And uh, if you look at uh, these two drivers, they have uh, you know ten year ten year age difference, yes. right? And uh, uh, Emerson Fittipaldi was uh, yeah very talented yeah. Uh, young driver at the time and uh, already um, uh, um, a champion uh, at a very uh, young age. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and uh, interesting is that uh, Jackie Stewart and Danny Hahn, they are uh, the same age, even if I think Danny Hahn always looked a little bit uh, older, because this photo should be from 73 and showing him uh, with uh, 37 years. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, but uh, besides this, of course, very fast uh, driver, and uh, there and uh, there must be a reason why he had been successful in Formula One for many many years. Yeah, so I mean, uh, we of course uh, always emphasize that uh, in Formula One we have the best drivers. Exactly. Uh, and of course, uh, they are in a very risky occupation even now, but back in yes. the day, even more so because it wasn't really, uh, yeah, it wasn't really the best uh, for safety. And when we talk about Jackie Stewart, we will talk about his uh, horrific accident in 1966, right? When he was practically <laughs> had to wait a long time before he got any medical assistance after an accident. Uh, so all of these people are very courageous and uh, extremely skillful. So, you know, it doesn't matter what the age is, but it's just remarkable to, to see also young, you know, young drivers and uh, this trend towards having younger and younger and younger people in the sport that kind of started back uh, um, from the beginning of 19, uh, yeah. 19, yes, 1950, you can say, so from the start of the sport, but we saw how, you know, we went from people starting in the sport in mid forties to kind of currently, um, champions being in their mid twenties. The positions fought until the six, uh, uh, we have uh, on fourth position at uh, Jackie X, uh, not uh, with many opportunities uh, to fight uh, about the victories, but nevertheless, uh, he gained enough points to uh, ensure the fourth uh, position. Mm -hmm. uh, even against um, the drivers, which should have been maybe in faster cars, uh, as for example in uh, Terrell, McLaren, or Lotus. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so here we have uh, uh, they mentioned, uh, let's say, the second drivers uh, from the various teams, Peter Revson from McLaren 
for Francois Sever from uh, Turel. We already, constructors. we already discussed uh, Lotus uh, uh, victory for Tyrell with 10 points uh, difference, then McLaren, uh, and then uh, Ferrari on the fourth uh, position, and uh, the first of the teams without a Ford uh, engine, which hadn't been that many, only um, BRM Matra. And I think also Techno had an own engine. The rest had been using this uh, Cosmos engine who was dominating uh, all the years. Absolutely. I just wanted to say that uh, you could you could see uh, again a large gap between Lotus and Tyrell, mm -hmm. uh, 10 points, uh, quite, uh, quite a big difference and uh, not so much difference between Tyrell and McLaren. Uh, uh, yeah. with only four points difference there and uh, uh, yeah so that that again uh, tells you how kind of dominating Lotus was really um, compared to other teams and uh, you know that allowed them to secure more wins in that particular season although I have to say this was uh, also great effort for Jackie Stewart, who I think fought until the very last race <laughs> to, yep. to 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 win this competition. So yeah, uh, definitely um, he deserves uh, recognition for that. And you know we will see that in later seasons that would pay off because uh, um, you know in 1973 he would become a champion. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So he definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, started his uh, sort of uh, started to climb to his uh, championship in 1973 in 1972, you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Behavior. Yeah. So to me, again, uh, this is definitely Emerson Fittipaldi's season. Uh, despite uh, the fact that you know there was a, a big rivalry between Emerson Fittipaldi and Jackie Stewart in this season I think uh, um, it's quite remarkable that a younger driver prevailed um, we also will see by 1973 uh, so another person that I want to mention here is perhaps uh, Graham Hill because we will see Hill Enterprise in 1973 so he already kind of had like made the decision to to have his own team in 1972 so that's we didn't talk too much about him but to me again this is quite important um, and uh, perhaps also in terms of character uh, I would uh, uh, also like to mention uh, um, Danny Hume here because you know he 
Yeah, he, he, he really was an important figure in McLaren and uh, played an important role in, 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 in keeping it together despite everything that was going on around this team. Um, notable wins. Um, um, uh, again, as much as I love uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, I would like to mention BRM here <laughs> because it just was like really remarkable. Uh, remarkable race for them um, uh, in 1972. So to me, well, obviously, you know, uh, given the credit to uh, Emerson Fittipaldi and Jackie Stewart's wins uh, in 1972, yeah, uh, to me, BRM had a very, you know, cool race and surprise win uh, in 1972. Um, yeah, we mentioned uh, that, you know, safety wasn't, uh, well, it was improved, but wasn't the best, right, in, in 1972. So uh, several injuries and uh, um, it, it didn't become uh, a, a lot safer, we could say. But uh, to me, it's not so much about accidents this season, but uh, mm, about okay. various... Controversies right around circuits, like we mentioned that the spa, I think it's kind of more important to say that the spa, for example, wasn't present in the season um, for security reasons. And uh, it's good to generally mention that security finally became uh, an, an issue at the top of the agenda for Formula One. Um, in terms of strategy, I don't know what your opinion is, Patrick. Like to me, it's definitely the like lot of strategy to kind of try new, uh, yet another innovation with chassis. Uh, so that was a really, really interesting step. Um, and uh, perhaps also again to highlight uh, on the strategy side, uh, we can highlight McLaren. And uh, yeah, later we will see that with the development of telemetry, McLaren would be one of the driving forces <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> behind innovations in telemetry. So it's important that we were able to keep uh, this team in the sport. Uh, um, so it was important. And um, yeah, so to me, these are the main highlights, I guess. Uh, in general, I agree. Uh, maybe then you also could mention for a notable win the one-two victory from Ferrari in at Nürburgring with Jackie X and uh, Clay Regazzoni. Uh, besides this, uh, uh, not a particular win, but of course having a young driver winning like Emerson Fittipaldi, quite new to the series. I mean, it's uh, quite notable, of course. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, legacy. Yes, again, uh, again, like I said, to me, it's a Fittipaldi season. <laughs> That's what I would say. But I don't know whether you would agree with this, Patrick. Perhaps uh... I, I agree, and I mean, as uh, it was it would be legacy uh, Fittipaldi being uh, the first of a series of a very successful Brazilian driver. Of course, uh, uh, legacy is also uh, the, the Lotus with the iconic uh, design, which we this we see for many years on the Lotus, which even had been last year in 2020 
been somehow copied by the Haas uh, team with black and gold. So it's something that really uh, uh, became part of Formula One uh, aesthetic in general. So I think this would be uh, the, the legacy why 72 is still important for us today. Great. On on that happy note, <laughs> uh, we came to the end of this episode. Again, we're on all possible media. Please do check uh, check out uh, the series in general. We started from 1950, and uh, we we are gradually progressing. I have to say, with all the specials, yeah. we probably are not progressing as fast as we would like to do it. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, it's nice to stay in the 70s. Yeah, but nevertheless, uh, I think we're getting to quite exciting parts where we would uh, actually look into uh, some of the um, early telemetry devices and sensors uh, soon, and we will talk more about data and analytics at that point in time. Meanwhile, yeah, check us out not only uh, on YouTube, but also on... uh, uh, many other platforms again thanks to patrick for uh, for making this happen and uh, i hope to see you next time yep see you next time bye bye bye